0: Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Well, welcome back, podcast listeners. This is Andrew here, and with me, of course, is Dr. Tim Elmore. How are you, Dr. I'm Tim? I'm very well. Awesome. I'm excited about today's conversation. We're talking about responsibility, but maybe not in the way people think. Yeah, very often I think we talk about responsibility in teenagers, yeah. and we automatically think of duty
1: and obligation and you know, just being the kind of person you ought to be. I think there's a tie, a connection, if you will, that we miss and that's why so many are
0: way later in adopting the responsible lifestyle. So yeah. we're going to talk about that today. That's very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, different ways that we can think about responsibility, but I think what we're going to talk about today is going to kind of get to the core of it, the mm-hmm. heart of it. That's what we're will. going to try to do. Yeah, so yeah. when we talk about this, really, honestly, what we're talking about is is that we're not we're a, sort of attempting to be somebody that we we aren't. And we're not really sure even of who we are. Yeah.
1: And I think there's a link to responsible living. So um, I go back in time. I think about my own emergence as a student into leadership and adulthood and so forth. And my little revelation or one of my revelations happened my freshman year of college. I'm smiling already because it was a ridiculous scenario I found myself in. (laughs) So my roommate my freshman year was John, and John was a vocal performance major. He was a great musician, and theater arts was his love, and he was great at it. So he was going to try out for Fiddler on the Roof. It was going to be a play that year. And he coaxed me into trying out as well. Well, I wasn't gonna get any lead part like he was, but he said maybe you can dance in the troupe, be a part of the
0: ensemble. (laughs) That would have that would have been a deal breaker for me right there. And you're like, let's go. Well, yeah, ready, fire, aim is my life, you know. So I go,
1: well, I'll try out. So the instructor was up there trying to teach us some choreography, and then he was going to watch us and pick the people, you know, that got it. Yeah. Well, I didn't get it. I started just going, man, I'm going to freelance here. And I start waving my arms and I'm dancing all over the place. I'm so glad iPhones weren't around that it had cameras on them. Yeah. Because we'd
0: it, be watching that today. Today on YouTube.
1: And it would got, <laughs> it would have gotten several several views. But I realized as I was doing it, what am I doing here? This is, this is not me. Um, I, I am not a musician. I am not an actor. I'm not... Well, maybe I'm an actor, but... <laughs> But not with the kind they wanted. So yeah. um, I, I often tell people, as I look back, uh, you know, at my time on the stage, uh, I, I tell people, well, maybe I was a little closer to a musician than than a dancer. Um, I told people I was a backup singer in college. Okay. Yeah, you know, every time but I got close, yeah. close to the mic, I I was told to back up. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I, I tell people I sang tenor. Yep. Ten or twelve notes off, so that's that's as good as it got. So anyway, um, it's a good thing
0: you're a dad because those were definitely dad jokes. <laughs> that's right. Don't yep. quit my day job. That's Is that exactly what you're saying? Right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, in all seriousness today, I really feel like we're discussing this topic of responsibility, but it's very much in the vein of the story that you just told, because what you're saying is there's a connection between responsibility or lack thereof and identity, how people actually think about themselves. So uh, kind of set this up for us, this conversation we want to have. So the story of Lauren Ashley Hayes
1: is both intriguing to me and pitiful. Mm. This attractive blonde showed up near the small town of West Plains, Missouri in 2016. Her story was sad. She was running from a boyfriend who abused her, and she needed help starting over. Well, several people in that town took her in and gave her food and shelter and encouragement and even a job. They took her to church and invited her into their circles of relationships. It was really beautiful. Over time, several people commented on how mature she looked for a 22-year-old. On the other hand, though, they noticed how immature she seemed to be for her age, even at 22. Yeah. yeah. She wanted to party all the time. Her apartment was a mess, and she was scattered-brained. One friend said she was a silly girl. She didn't know how to cook. She didn't know anything about kids. And usually by 22, you're emerging into adulthood, yeah. and you kind of know a few be things. Be a
0: little more grown up. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, everywhere she went, she told her tragic tale, and people forgave her shortcomings because, well, she was a victim. Yeah at least they thought she was. As can happen in smaller towns, people started to talk. Many couldn't connect the dots in her story. This woman who called herself Lauren wasn't really Lauren at all. Interesting. She was Laura Oglesby, a 45-year-old who had abandoned her husband and daughter to walk away from her old life in Arkansas and start a new one in Missouri. Unbelievable. It's, It's crazy. She achieved this under her daughter's name, Lauren, who was indeed 22. She didn't want the pressure of being a wife and a mother. She just despised the daily grind of life. Yeah. So she wanted to turn back the clock, shirk the responsibilities of midlife, (laughs) and embrace the freedoms of young adulthood again. So she stole her daughter's identity. That is so wild. Yeah. Yeah. I don't well, think I've ever heard anything quite
0: like this. Most adults couldn't get away with pretending <laughs> to true. be 22. That's, that's part true. of the story there. Well, perhaps I
1: could, but that's a whole nother podcast. What's for
0: amazing time. is, <laughs> what's amazing is this 45 year old woman um, was pretending to be 22, and people were even thinking she she wasn't. She responsible might be younger. That.
1: That's right. I, I looked older but acted younger. So after Laura was arrested and she was arrested, she's faced uh, charges of identity theft in two states, both Missouri and Arkansas. What wow. a pitiful, pitiful story.
0: Well, if I know you, Tim, I know that the story that you just told about Laura is really a story, a metaphor, if you will, for what's going on today. You, so connect the dots for us here. Yeah,
1: so I believe, in my experience, this is a picture of millions of people. Uh, It's a pattern that's illustrated in her story. And I'm not suggesting millions of people steal someone's identity and assume to be them. Uh, I'm saying, however, that many people don't really know who they are and choose to be someone else who's more inviting. Uh Ah, that makes sense, Um, yeah. I think of... um, Hearing actor Sean Connery, he was just you know James Bond and Mm -hmm. so many other characters. When he was asked one time late in his career, "Why do you continue acting?" He didn't need more money. Yeah, he said, "Because I love imagining that I'm someone so much more interesting than I am." Isn't that intriguing?
0: Yeah, it's hard to imagine. Yeah, (laughs) Sean Connery seems so interesting. Yes, he does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think this is happening, and and listeners, I'm thinking you're you're probably thinking of both adults and students that you would know. I think they're trying to be someone they're not. Yeah, and it's so uh discouraging because you know it's not a fit, but yet you don't dare say anything mm. so um you can tell the these people are often thinking the grass looks greener on you know somewhere else uh others people's other people's social media posts are better, their vacations look more fun, their friends seem nicer. this identity crisis isn't confined to the young either, like Laura, it can happen to us in midlife we all we've all heard of midlife crises, yep. So there's millions of people, I think, experiencing a midlife crisis at some point in their life, maybe it's a quarter-life crisis, and wishing to be young again and less encumbered by responsibility. But I think the issue isn't just teaching
0: duty and obligation. Mm. I think it goes deeper. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, you're talking about a connection, not just a lack of responsibility, but you're talking about how the way I see myself and all of those things can actually lead me to shirk those responsibilities. Yeah, so my
1: premise is this. When I discover my true, authentic sense of identity, I'm naturally going to be more responsible. Mm. I'm not losing the flaws of humanity. I'm still a human. I'm not a superhero. But I think I'm most responsible, naturally, when I get into a a situation where I am truly myself. I think good schools create environments for this. I think great sports teams create environments for this. I think great clubs and youth groups do this, and I think we need to think deeper about responsibility and say, maybe I need to work on the inside, not the outside.
0: Mm, That's such a great insight. It makes me think of all the teachers who can't get their kids to jump in and do what they need to do. And part of it is because most of those kids think this is my teacher's classroom, Yeah, that's right. I I have no part to play in here, so I feel like I don't have any responsibility. And that's presenting a challenge. Yeah.
1: So an, an identity crisis, Andrew, is defined as a period of uncertainty or confusion in a person's life. I think that happens. Mm. The crisis occurs when a person's sense of identity becomes insecure and unstable. It happens in both young and old, uh, and I think it, it fosters questioning your character, it fosters anxiety, unrest, maybe even altering your values. <laughs> in Ashley's case, That certainly happens. I'm gonna try someone else, you yeah. know, and it, it's so... So one of the signals of identity transition like she went through and like so many go through, is this word called diffusion. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a psychological term that I've become familiar with, and it's so, so intriguing to me. In diffusion, people lack commitment in their lives. And worse, they're not working toward a state of commitment or clarity yeah. on who they are. And one obvious outcome is irresponsibility. Yeah. Why would I commit to anything? I don't even know who I am. You know, Does that make sense? Yeah, So these individuals find it difficult to follow through on commitments. After all, they're not sure they should even embrace them, not knowing who they really are. Mm. And consequently, listeners, if your teen or teens are still figuring out who they really are, they're likely to find it hard to display a consistent sense of responsibility. And for many, the only reason to be responsible is to avoid the potential conflict with mom and dad. So I'll do the chore because
0: I don't want them breathing down my, my back. Yeah. Yeah. This is so huge. If, to me, it comes back, you know, you're talking about identity. It comes back to, we always say, if you want to motivate your kids, you've got to ask questions about their values yes. and their goals. Where do they want to go? All that mm-hmm. stuff, because it all, it's all ties together. Even something yes. as simple as keeping your room clean at home yeah. can tie back to what kind of person do you want to be? Yeah. Right. How do you want to be known? It's all so those true. things. So you're right. That, that connection is totally there. Well, I think,
1: um, it was hard in my day. But yeah. it's especially hard today. Mm-hmm. Think about the fluidity and yeah. identity that so many Gen Zers face, both gender fluidity and, and just in so many other ways. Yeah. Six months later from today, they may feel like there's someone else. Yeah. So it's a little, it's a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to talk just real quick to kind of set the stage for some solutions on the connection between identity and responsibility with some research. So according to therapist Renee Skettle and Dr. Kristen Fuller, and I'm going to quote them here... While people in all stages of life can experience an identity crisis, adolescents tend to be most prone to this. A study conducted in 2015 found that 37% of teens, that's more than one in three, were struggling with their identity, and 95% of teens reported that they had felt inferior at some point in their life. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's very relatable. I remember yeah. feeling that way, too. I do, too. Yeah.
1: yeah. So Dr. Aaron Stearns observed, and I love this statement, adolescence is a time of maximum resistance to further growth. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
0: it's true. That's called being a teenager. That's right. right. Maximum
1: resistance. It is a time characterized by the teenager's ingenious efforts to maintain the privileges of childhood while at the same time demanding the rights of adulthood. And he goes on to say, it's a point beyond which most humans don't pass emotionally. Whoa. How many times have we seen an adult acting like a kid at a school board meeting? I'm just saying. Yeah. So the more we do for our children, the less they can do for themselves. The dependent child of today is destined to become the dependent parent of tomorrow, I mean, Aaron Stearns has some strong words, but I think it sets the stage for maybe we need to think more deeply about responsibility.
0: Yeah. So and just
1: recall, I'm sorry, just recall Laura Oglesby who ran away from nearly every responsibility to be young again.
0: Yeah, yeah. When I think about that story, that's exactly what happened, right? I, I because I never actually passed that stage, mm-hmm. found out who I am. It then what seems totally outlandish to you and I, a story of somebody trying to start over and be 22 again, seemed totally reasonable to her, right? Yeah. I already don't know who I am. Therefore, yeah. this is a totally reasonable choice to make. Yeah. Now, that still probably didn't make it reasonable, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yep. So I'm going to talk through uh, some steps we can take um,
1: and help our teens to take and even establish a healthy sense of identity and responsibility.
0: Yeah. So we're going to get to some really key steps. Before we do that, let's take a quick break. Hey, podcast listeners, Andrew here. And I want to tell you about a resource called Artificial Maturity adolescence is expanding in both directions. It's starting earlier and ending later. And in this book, Artificial Maturity, Helping Kids Meet the Challenge of Becoming Authentic Adults, author Tim Elmore, our founder, does a couple of things. He shows how to identify the problem of artificial maturity in both Generation IY and in Generation Z. He reveals what to do to help children balance autonomy, responsibility, and information. And he even includes a down to earth model for coaching and guiding youth to true maturity in artificial maturity tim leads the reader to understand what authentic maturity looks like how it impacts society and how to create a balanced environment that enables children to lead themselves well and influence others in a positive way Artificial Maturity gives parents, teachers, and others who work with youth a manual for understanding and practicing the leadership kids so desperately need to mature in a healthy fashion. Click the link in the description to pick up your copy of Artificial Maturity today. Okay, Tim, before we took a break, we were talking about what are some key steps that we can use to help teens become more responsible and ultimately more secure in who they are. Okay, so if my theory is correct,
1: then equipping teens to clarify their identity should also then help them to be more responsible. I mean, I don't think it's overnight, but over time. Yeah. So here's a few steps. Number one, um, when you talk to your students or your teens, remind them to challenge the negative or irrational thoughts that come into their mind. Yeah. That happens in adolescence. Yeah. Our brains are pruning themselves. They're forming between then and 25 to 26 years old. And so we need to challenge them to, to challenge themselves. So help them trade negative self-talk for hope hopeful self-talk. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But they need to identify where they struggle the most and really challenge the irrational thinking. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we hear teens making this hyperbolic statement. Yeah. Nobody loves me. Yeah. Or, I hate math or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And it feels that way in the moment, but it's really not totally true. Yeah. Number two, listen to their self-talk and discuss how to use it in a positive way. So I love the story of um, Justin Rose. Um, I'm not a golf fanatic, but I keep up with golf enough. Justin Rose, a a few years ago, became a top golfer globally. But um, he stands in stark contrast to most of us who have a self-talk. We all do self-talk. I mean, let's just be honest. Most of it's negative, but we all talk to ourselves, have imaginary conversations with others, and and it's all self-talk. So we're usually saying things like, what's wrong with me? Or I'll never get this. Or that was such a stupid thing to do. Justin Rose, top golfer, practices encouraging self-talk. Like he'll miss a putt and go, ooh, I was so close. Mm. People heard him around me. His caddy, oh, that was so close. Ooh, I'm getting better. I'm Mm. getting better. And I'm thinking, that sounds like something you'd say to somebody else, but... Never yourself. Yeah. We got to learn to say this to ourselves, and we need to help our teens yeah. say it to themselves. That's good. Number three, engage in conversations to identify what makes them unique. I think we need to have these. These are fundamental conversations. But talk about where they stand out to enable them to clarify identity and build a sense of self-awareness. Yeah.
0: That's so huge. It what is. What makes me different from other yes. people, ultimately. Yeah, that's
1: right. And usually teens want to be different. Yes, they do. Uh, <laughs> I remember the cartoon that a kid said to his dad, but dad, I got to be a nonconformist if I'm going to be like everybody else. Exactly. You know, that's, that's how they're Welcome thinking. to adolescence. That's right. Number four, help them set boundaries to discover where they belong. Now, remember... Brene Brown said there's a difference between fitting in and belonging. Mm. We don't shouldn't just try to fit in. That's where I look around and go, I need to adapt. I need to adapt yep. so I can fit in. Yep. She says, no, find out who you are and belong and be that different person on the team. Yeah. We don't need all shortstops on the baseball team. Mm-hmm. We need one and then left fielders and pitchers. Yeah. So I think this boundary thing is really important. We need to teach them to say no to some external demands and yes to where they most belong.
0: Mm. That's a good insight.
1: Number five. Keep them future-focused and service-oriented. So most of the time, teens get stuck because we're stuck on today. Everybody hates me. Look at that post on Instagram. And I think when we help them be future-focused, it gives them a bit of hope. Uh, Thinking of the future and how they can benefit others enables them to really find their best self. Mm. And then lastly, number six, encourage them to make and keep one big commitment at a time. We did this with our teens, with our two kids when they were teenagers. First of all, we didn't let them do 17 things at once. Yeah, We did let them explore, but it was one at a time.
0: Yeah, as they get older, they need to focus. That's basically. right. You have yeah. a little
1: bit of a flood at the beginning, then you become a river. Yeah. But we didn't let them dart around in one semester or one season. So um, we just think as they clarify where they fit, we, we need to hold them accountable to follow through on that commitment. Now... We need to talk, Andrew, it's hit me, about autonomy and responsibility.
0: Yeah, these two characteristics that come together, yeah. and they're really balancing characteristics when you think about They it. are.
1: Yeah, Yeah. It's two sides to the coin, but if we as teachers, parents, coaches, and employers can help them get this, it'll be a game changer. So think about this, listeners. As kids enter their teen years, they usually seek more autonomy, right? They want to spread their wings and be their own person. Make their own decisions and not be confined by the rules of these adults. I'm even talking like a teen right now. Mm-hmm. You make me come in at 11 o'clock. The Johnsons get to stay out till midnight. You yeah. know, you hear those kinds of things. Yeah, I believe that's natural. In fact, I would be worried if they weren't saying that at 16, 17 years old. Yeah, this is a God-given thing. As they biologically grow, they need to be wanting more autonomy. Yeah, it's scary if they don't. However, I think sometimes we. Acquiesce, We just give in and throw them the car keys or give them the autonomy, and we don't don't leverage the other side of the coin. Mm. With every step of autonomy should come the other side, which is responsibility. As you find out what you want and the freedom you want, there's always corresponding responsibility. So here's a good example. When my son Jonathan got his driver's license, he didn't get a car right away. In the meantime, by the way, he had to save up half, we went half and half on a car. In the meantime, he had to borrow the family car to get around. So on a Friday night, if he asked for the car keys so he could go out with his friend Ben, I would offer both elements. I would toss him the car keys, and I was giving him a little dose of autonomy when I gave him the car keys. Uh, But I would say to him, all right, fill up the tank with gas. Oh, my gosh. His reaction was predictable. (laughs) He didn't like it. I would remind him that he could make a car payment if he didn't like the uh, fill up the tank with gas. But the point was, he would start chuckling because he'd heard me talk about this a million times. Yep. Every time you want autonomy, there's responsibility. And by the way, it's the other way too. Anytime mom and dad would give him responsibility, we said, now you get some liberties here now. Yeah. You get some freedoms. Yeah. This is what makes us mature well. Yeah. And if we don't do both, we create brats with a whole bunch of freedom and no responsibility, yeah. or we create insecure kids with all kind of responsibility and no autonomy.
0: What we're really doing when we do that is we're giving them a taste of adulthood, right? Yeah, it's I was true. just with a group of parents last night, uh, and that's exactly what I said. I said every so often you get a paycheck. Guess yeah, what? As right. an adult, you have freedom to spend that however you want. Yep. But you have right. responsibilities that come along with those freedoms, right? If I if I go spend the entire paycheck on something I'm really excited about, some new computer yeah, or yeah. thing, it's going to totally um, ruin our family budget for the month, you know. So that's exactly what's uh, what adulthood is going to be like when kids have autonomy but don't have responsibility. Yeah. It's actually training them for a version of life that isn't real. That's right, and it's going to come back to bite them with yeah. a boss
1: or something. So um, I'm reading a, from a blog post I made not too long ago, and um, here's what I said: from a biological standpoint. A teenager's brain is a bit of a train wreck. First, it's low and myelin, the coding that allows various regions to communicate with one another. Uh, next, the prefrontal cortex is developing at warp speed. So topics that a child once took for granted, like believing their parents know what they're talking about, <laughs> now seem ripe for uh, reevaluation. Yep. Finally, in addition to acting on almost every impulse, a teen is programmed to break away from their parents. This is natural and healthy, but it doesn't make it any easier for a parent or a teacher to let it happen. Yeah. We want to rescue. We're nurturers. We want them to be comfortable and safe and happy. So we prevent them from participating in some of those risky behaviors that helped to mature past generations of young people. Couple this with a ubiquitous presence of portable smart devices, and we experience a consequence many of us just didn't see coming.
0: Mm. So Tim, you said things, this thing that we didn't see coming, you actually have a term for this. It's a really interesting reality. You coined this term years ago, as far as I know, uh, called artificial maturity. So what is this thing? Yeah.
1: So about a decade ago, I published a book called Artificial Maturity. It was about helping teens become great adults. Um, So my hypothesis was simply this. Young people today are overexposed to information, far earlier than they're ready. Every parent would agree with that. Yep. But youth today are underexposed to firsthand experiences later than they're ready. Yeah. Because we're not working a farm like we were 100 years ago and learning those kind of things. In fact, we're actually preventing that sometimes. Work on your academics, just do the paper, don't get that job, or don't do this, or don't do that. Yeah. And it's all in the name of safety, but it's creating this this maturity that looks real because they know so much, they've watched 17 YouTube videos on that thing or whatever, yeah. but they've never really experienced some of the hardships that need to happen to create mature young
0: people. Yeah. So you talk about the difference between artificial maturity and authentic maturity. Yeah. So yeah. What, does that, what does that look like? Well, in order to develop authentic maturity, I think we need a few
1: things. And I know we need to wrap this thing up, but I want listeners, I want you to catch this. Obviously, we want to reach... Um, kids and turn artificial into authentic maturity. Number one, I would say expose teens to appropriate levels of risk. So if they're 12, not five-year-old risk, 12-year-old risk, Mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. Number two, don't rescue them from every possible failure or uncertainty. Mm. This is part of growing up. And number three, as they receive information, help them couple it with application. What are you going to do about that? That's huge. It's, It's huge, yeah. So, when our kids were growing up, we had them learn things about responsibility, like hosting a party Mm. for our adult friends. They were, Bethany and Jonathan were the host. Uh, service trips to Croatia and Jamaica and several other countries. Um, feeding the homeless in downtown Atlanta. We went down there and it was smelly, but boy, it was good for hopefully everybody. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, um, my wife took our son Jonathan when he was 16 out to LA. They lived there for seven months Whoa. because Jonathan wanted to try out acting and, 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 and he got an agent and he, he was experimenting.
0: But boy, did he grow up fast yeah. in
1: LA. That's yeah. At 16, 17 years
0: old. Reality set in. Reality yeah, it's set so in. So true. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great topic, Tim. I wonder if you might close us out by just giving us some kind of reorienting us around what does it feel like for this authentic maturity thing yeah. to be happening?
1: Well, I guess the connection I made between identity and responsibility was so much the work of my own parents and teachers. I had such good mom and dad, and I had such good teachers. So as I reflect on my own development, I recall my parents and teachers helping me cultivate my sense of identity. They went after it. I look back now, and they never used that term. I knew exactly what they are as I look back now. I recall getting cut from the varsity basketball team in, in high school. Mom let me brood a little bit, but then she reminded me that getting cut offered me lots of free time. For my art projects, mm, she was directing you. She was redirecting, if you will. Yeah, were. yeah. So I focused on an area where I was far more gifted.
0: You uh, mean you I, don't play basketball? Today? No,
1: I not anymore. <laughs> I, not anymore. Uh, but but I got an art scholarship in college, Yeah. So I, and I later became an editorial cartoonist. So yeah. I was using it, monetizing it, but it was my mom redirecting. My teachers helped me redirect it. S- settling this issue, I would say by age 17, allowed me to take on highly responsible roles. I began my career at age 19 in a field I remain in four decades later. Amazing. Um, I married my wife when I was 21. I-, I-, I often think, I don't think I was ready, but I wouldn't change... Yep. who I married. Yep. So we remain happily married after, this is year 42 for us. Amazing. Um, I have always enjoyed more than one job at a time, side hustle. I got side hustles right now. Uh, I'm, I'm convinced that my sense of identity and responsibility are closely tied. I want to do stuff that fits who I am. Nobody has
0: to tell me to be responsible today. Mm, that's such a great insight. That's such a great insight. Well, if you're listening to this and thinking, I want to go deeper then I want to give you a a resource, kind of point you in a direction. It's actually a resource we mentioned in our conversation. Back in 2012, now almost a little more than a decade, in fact, uh, ago, Tim wrote a book called Artificial Maturity. It is a fantastic resource. We're going to put the link in the description, the show notes, for you to be able to click and actually purchase that. If you've not picked up artificial maturity, but you find this topic really interesting, you may not find a better resource than that one on how to actually develop authentic maturity inside of the students that you're leading today. So I highly recommend that resource, Artificial Maturity. As always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it. If you found this helpful, share it with somebody who you think might get something from it as well. We would also appreciate that. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, subjects you think we should cover, people you think we should interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. Tim, thank you so much for leading us in this conversation today and challenging us to develop students by giving them both identity and responsibility. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time.